98.7 FM. Arizona's sports station. Pickley and Murata. It's going to be lit is what I hear every single day. It's, it's, it's the greatest radio show ever. Dan Pickley. Vince Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Pickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. I love this show. <laughs> Me too. It's the greatest radio show really that's is. ever existed. It really, really In is. In case you needed a refresher for the new version of the prolonged open. Let's cut the crap, Mr. Murata. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. All right, here we go, folks. Stage two in our journey. It begins tonight in downtown Phoenix. And what better way to get everything underway than Wolf swallowing a bug live on the air? Do we have audio of that? Jared, are you, what's, what's with the fork in the mouth? He's eating. No, really. <laughs> I noticed. This is the Bickley Marauder show. My name is not on the show, so oh, okay, you guys, that, okay, that's you guys good. Do the that, talking, that, that's you know that? that's a good oh. that's a good reminder for well, Vinny that, and I. That's nice because you give Jared an introduction, uh, the first words out of your mouth every day. Dan Bickley, Vince Marotta, Jared Carlin. You don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, that's you could be point. more efficient with your with, uh, ver- verbiage. with your verbiage. Be a little quicker with it. Yeah, it's right. amazing. What, Welcome what? everybody. Happy Monday, <laughs> Dan Bickley, Vince Marotta, <laughs> the Bickley and Marotta show. Sarah Cazell at some point. <laughs> yeah, so I did not hear about that, but I did. I did. We did see Maloney come frantically rushing into our preparation meeting. Hey, I got to get a bottle of water. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Wolf swallowed a bug on the air. <laughs> oh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me, given how infrequently they clean the studio. Probably what? fruit flies around here. There's probably all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Don't even get me started, man. <laughs> well, I mean, we had garbage sitting here for three days. You just reminded me. I forgot to get a disinfectant wipe. <laughs> All right, we are going to have some fun. The- it is game night in Phoenix. Let's get it started, producer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's in between bites. <laughs> the Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Animal. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, the Western Conference semifinals between the Denver Nuggets and Phoenix Suns get underway tonight at Phoenix Suns Arena, downtown Phoenix. Both teams have had some time to prepare with each wrapping up their first round series last Thursday. Suns, of course, eliminated the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers in six games. Earlier the same night, the Nuggets got by Portland to win their first-round series in six games. Interestingly enough, this is only the fourth postseason meeting between the two franchises and the first since 1989 when the Suns won a first-round series 3-0. You remember that Nuggets team, Bick? <laughs> of course I do. Bill Hanslick. English. Fat Leva. Keep Mike, going. Michael Adams. Oh, yeah. Wayne Cooper. <laughs> Wayne Cooper. Uh, Chris Paul, who was bothered with a right shoulder injury in the first round, is not on the injury report heading uh, into game one for the Suns. The Nuggets won two of the three matchups in the regular season, but these two teams haven't met since late January. Tip-off, 7 o'clock. Pre- pre-game coverage starts here on 98.7 FM, 
Arizona Sports Station at 6, but we're going to have you covered all day long. Oh, yeah. Between this show and uh, Burns and Gambo from 2 to 6. Yeah. Yeah, looking and forward to it. And by the way, let, let, I'm not going to bury the lead. we got tickets to give away every hour right. of today's show. Every hour? Every hour. Wow. That's pretty good. So you want to But stay? the game is sold out, Vinny. Yeah, but, wow. <laughs> no matter, young Jerry. Wow. Yeah. No matter. What a deal. No matter, young producer, <laughs> who's not so young, who will remain yeah, nameless. <laughs> Uh, the Los Angeles Clippers advanced to the second round with a 126-111 Game 7 win over the Dallas Mavericks at Staples Center. It was the only game in the entire series won by the home team. Kawhi Leonard had a big game for the Clippers, who survived a 46-point outburst from Luka Doncic. The Clips move on to the second round to face Utah. Game 1 on tap from Salt Lake City tomorrow night, so no rest for the Clippers. They're, they're right yeah. back at it. Yeah, uh, two takeaways from that. Number 1, Kawhi Leonard, when when he gets into overdrive mode, he is a monster, okay? Sort of a con- we knew that. That was just a confirmation watching it happen these last two games. And, and how about Paul George wanting to exchange jerseys with Luka and Luka's like, "No, I'm good, man." <laughs> I did not know Luka ended up giving his his jersey to him later. Which meant, A, either, you know, he didn't want to... He's one of those guys that never wanted to play shirts and skins. Yeah, I mean, that was my theory on it. Mm-hmm. You ever been a little bit... You ever been the guy who's swimming in a shirt? <laughs> What's the reason you swim in a shirt? <laughs> Unbelievable performance by Luca, who was not 100% in that series, but man, he left 24 points. On the free throw line during that series, fifty three percent for a guy who can shoot like that. Yeah, you hate on him like few others. No, I, he you was are, a, he was amazing. Luka, yeah. I don't understand how players can be that good offensively and then that poor from the free throw like line. LeBron I, like LeBron, I don't too. get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, this is the way it should be, though. I think Jazz versus Clippers is going to be a very big, physical, tough series. Probably goes seven. I'm thinking that's good. I, I think the Suns have the softer matchup in terms of physical, taxing basketball. They get through this. They should be in good shape in the Western Conference. I mean, without oh, right. Luca playing, yeah, softer yeah. matchup, right? <laughs> but enough about his body. Uh-huh. Hey, Nikola, Nikola Jokic proved you can yes. you can tighten up your body. Yeah, he looked like a different player when this season started. Yeah, used to be pillowy. Yeah, that's not a anymore. Very good point. It's a very good point. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks punched the Philadelphia 76ers in the mouth early, then hung on to win game one of their Eastern Conference semifinal matchup, 128-124. Trey Young continued his stellar playoff play. 35 points, 11 assists. Joel Embiid at 39 in the loss for the Sixers. The other game on the NBA schedule tonight, game two in Brooklyn between the Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks, Nets lead 1-0, but they will not have James Harden. He left Game 1 with a hamstring strain in the first minute of the contest on Saturday. Uh, that game gets underway from Barclays Center at 4.30 today. So there you're caught up to date on the NBA news. The uh, D-backs can't find a way to win on the road. 17 straight losses away from Chase Field, including yesterday's 2-0 defeat at the hands of the Milwaukee Brewers. Corbin Burns, who I thought was maybe the highlight of L.A. Law, uh, he baffled the D-backs hitters. No, nothing. I love no. that. I'm sorry, that. I missed okay. that. Uh, he baffled D-backs hitters, striking out 13 over seven shutout innings. The D-backs' last road win remains April 25th in Atlanta. That's when Madison Bumgarner threw a seven-inning no-hitter against the Braves. D-backs have two more on the road tomorrow night. Uh, it starts tomorrow night in Oakland against the A's. And that kicks off a stretch of 12 straight games against teams from the state of California, nine of which have uh, those games, including a, an opponent yeah. with a winning record. There are, there are people wondering if this is the week that Tori Lovello gets fired. 
Maybe. So there was... We will have a little discussion about that because that dress that dressing down he gave that team in the dugout for the courtesy of television viewers was quite something over yes. the weekend. Well overdue and completely mm-hmm. ineffective. <laughs> uh, big trade going down over the weekend in the NFL. The Tennessee Titans acquiring seven-time Pro Bowl wide receiver Julio Jones and a 2023 sixth-round pick from the Falcons. The Falcons, in return, will get a 2022 second-round draft pick and a 2023 fourth-round selection. Jones had an injury-plagued 2020 season with Atlanta playing only nine games, 51 catches for 771 yards. But he joins a Titans offense that boasts the NFL's best running back in Derrick Henry and receiver A.J. Brown, who openly recruited Jones and has had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons in his first two years yeah. in the league. That they offense, should be really got, tough. Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be quite the test for this defense in Week 1. Yep. Former Cardinal safety Tony Jefferson reportedly back in the league after recovering from a torn ACL. He signs on with the San Francisco 49ers back in the division. Uh, Patrick Cantlay won the Memorial in Dublin, Ohio over the weekend. A tournament that saw John Rahm, the leader by six strokes on Saturday, pulled off the course after testing joke. positive for COVID-19. What a joke. Had Rahm not tested positive and held on for the win, he would have earned over $1.6 million in prize what money. A joke. Instead, Every, he gets nothing and likes what it. What a joke. Everybody on the PGA Tour was like, okay, come on now. Let him play as a single on Sunday. Give us a break here. What a ridiculous scene that was. I feel horrible for John Rahm, who's a really good dude. That is just garbage, what went down. The fact they told him after his round on Saturday, he dropped to his knees on yeah, television. doubled over. It was, it was, I, it was yeah, weird there was cameras I, on him when, there when that happened. There are times when I just hate golf. ASU, that was uh, one of them. ASU baseball season came to an end on Sunday with a 9-7 loss at Fair, uh, to Fairfield at the Austin Regional. Texas then pounded Fairfield last night 12-2. They move on to the Super Regional round. The Arizona Wildcats... Also in the Super Regional, they beat UCSB 5-2 on Sunday. GCU was eliminated from that same Tucson Regional over the weekend. And a hockey note, Canada won the IIHF World Championships in Latvia. Oh, 3-2 win over Finland. The U.S. team, led by forward Connor Garland of the Coyotes, took the bronze with a 6-1 win over Germany. He had a great tournament. Yeah. And also, Mike Candrea announced his retirement today. Oh, did he? Yep. I didn't see that. Just came I know. Out. I know it was softball. speculated upon after they got eliminated, but uh, yeah, what a run by him! And uh, Nick Saban got a contract extension. He's going to coach until three thousand in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> He'll have eleven statues by the time he retires. <laughs> There's a splash for Monday, June seventh. We'll get you ready for Suns Nuggets Game One of the Western Conference Semis. Next, Bickley and Murata, ninety-eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Nickley and Murata talk Suns Lakers now. He hasn't missed any practice time, so um, he's been able to not only you know be at home and, and get all the treatment and, and body work that he needs to get done, but he didn't miss one part of practice. So I think just being here in our facility, being at home in your bed um, was a good thing for all of our players, but especially Chris. He went through everything today and he's still out there on the floor shooting as I'm talking with you guys. Monty Williams, head coach of the Suns, talking with the media yesterday. One of the big questions on the Suns' front as we get ready to open up round two of the NBA playoffs is the condition of Chris Paul's shoulder 
Uh, I think we would all be dreaming, Bick, if we expected that shoulder to be close to 100% anytime in this postseason, regardless yeah. of how long it lasts for the Suns. Uh, but can he be effective? We saw glimpses of effectiveness. I don't think we saw you know, consistent effectiveness from Chris Paul mm-hmm. based on what he was able to do in the offseason. I think that's... From from the Suns' standpoint, that's question number one going into this yeah. series. Yeah, so uh, by the time tip-off comes tonight, he will have had three full days off. Over the weekend, uh, Monty Williams said Chris Paul was not limited in any of the practicing, said the entire team benefited from the stability of sleeping in their own beds and showing up at their gym and, and all that stuff. Um, it, it, it's I, I love the fact how hard Monty Williams has, has efforted to make uh, their training facility, sort of a sanctuary, mm-hmm. and and he learned that in San Antonio. That that's something that Greg Popovich did very clearly did with their new training facility, um, and and so I think what it I think it's going to help him. But I also think we have to realize we're naive if we don't think there won't be a moment in this series where he's grabbing his right neck area again. Yeah, uh, and we saw it several times. Heck, we saw DeAndre Ayton do it again. That's yeah. about four times that's happened to DA this, this season, too, it, and it just kind of wears off for him. Yeah, right. It, isn't it weird? I mean, I, I'm not sure I've seen that be from one guy before in a basketball season. We've seen it from two guys on the Suns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting. So I, I do think Chris Paul plays a vital uh, piece of this puzzle in terms of keeping this team focused and hungry. Because the difference about this Nuggets team versus the Lakers team, it feels like it's less of a matchup. That might be a misconception because we're, we're to assume that you would all, you you have to realize that Lakers team was not only injured badly at the end of it, uh-huh. but got very little from their supporting cast. So that team didn't feel like a connected team. I think this Nuggets team is going to look and feel like a connected team. I think the Suns are better, but I. I I think this is going to be more difficult than the Lakers series because in the end you were exactly right. The Suns caught the Lakers at the perfect time. They had no rhythm. They had no rotations. They had nothing, and they couldn't stay healthy. You, were, you had I, I thought you money. had a head coach grasping at straws from a yep. personnel standpoint. Yep. I, I, so that that did play out. But I I don't want Suns fans to look at oh it's Denver. It's a one-man team with Nikola Jokic. Yeah, he's going to be the MVP unless you know the voters really bought into that late Steph Curry campaign, which would be absolutely ridiculous. And that's a subject for another day. This is not a one-man team. Yeah. Um, you look at and the reason why for me, Bick, that the Chris Paul question looms so large in this series, especially going into it, is that is a potential area to exploit for the Suns. We've talked about their depth in the backcourt. They only went really three guards deep in the backcourt, you know, with Cameron Payne excelling. Uh, but that is an area where they have on paper a distinct advantage. Now, it doesn't mean much because so did Portland. Portland's backcourt is among the best in all of basketball, and they couldn't hang with Compazzo and Austin Rivers yeah, and, and Monte point. Morris off the bench. So uh, Chris Paul being healthy is, is paramount to the Suns' chances in this series. Yeah. And, and this is going to be, it, it, you know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not breaking news here. This is going to be a much different looking series as well. These the, are yeah, the, the Denver Nuggets yes. are not challenged offensively in any way like the Los Angeles Lakers. No, were. no. Michael Porter Jr. is having a step up kind of postseason. He's six foot ten. He can get a shot off against anybody. Um, and you know it, it's going to be no matter what you think of Aaron Gordon, it's going to be a tough defensive assignment for whoever has to cover him, especially with Jokic 
controlling everything. Think about Jokic that's so difficult is he's an extremely intelligent big. He he makes the right play. He's very, very smart. And it's it's again, it's going to be another test of DeAndre Ayton because this is this will be a, this will be a different kind of sledding for DA. And he was phenomenal in the first round win against the Lakers and, and heard so from the teammates of his who have been the most critical. Um, Devin Booker went out of his way to show him big love after that series and, and tell him how proud he was. This is going to be a different kind of assignment. And in their three previous games, uh, he's averaged, DA has averaged four fouls a game against Jokic. Yes. There's been some good games. Uh, there was a real rough one at the very beginning of Aiton's career. Um, I think he's ready for this. I think he's grown tremendously. But I think I think you're right on the money. I think it's it's really going to be a matter of of seizing the advantages where you can and covering up spots that that might be problematic and and hoping that the focus and the energy is what it should be. Yeah, I think the Jokic Aiton matchup is, is fascinating going in. Earlier this year, Jokic was effusive in his praise for DeAndre Ayton. If you look at the numbers, and yeah, uh, early early on in, in Aiton's career, there was a rough one. Kellen Olsen pointed this out in a tweet, and he's got this on a three-part Suns Nuggets series on ArizonaSports.com that goes way in-depth. Last six matchups between the Nuggets and Suns with Aiton and Jokic on the court, Aiton is averaging more points, more rebounds, playing more minutes, and shooting a higher percentage than Nikola Jokic. Wow. Now, Jokic has the big advantage as he's one of the best passers in, in the whole game. Uh, so he averaged over eight eight assists per game, seven point three in those six matchups. Um, here's Monty Williams on that subject because you know foul trouble with, with with DeAndre Ayton matched up against Jokic is going to be big. If Ayton has gotten better at defending without fouling since the last time he had to face Jokic, I'm not sure how to answer that other than you know we're it's going against the probable MVP. He understands. Um, you know, what he's got to do as far as defending and being aggressive. Um, you can dissect, like, every foul that happened, you know, say, whether or not you agree with it. But I think he understands he's playing against a guy that's gone through the league and torn it up. And he's he's got to be at a high level with his awareness and his keys as to, you know, how to guard Jokic but our team. Defense, as we've said all year long, has to be involved in helping uh, DA with that matchup. Yeah, it's, that's central to everything. The back the backcourt matchup. There's a lot of great storylines going into this series. You want to be listening all day for your chance to win a pair of tickets to tonight's sold out Phoenix Suns playoff game one against the Denver Nuggets. It's the hottest tickets in town game day giveaway, and we'll have a pair to give away each hour of today's show. Another interesting potential storyline for this series is, okay, better team in round two that the Suns are facing, much lower profile. What does it mean to the fan support and energy? We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports App. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. Uh, the side gate where I entered my neighborhood, I, came, I got home the other night. It was 2 o'clock, I guess, and uh, 1.30, 2 o'clock, and on the gate, some people in my neighborhood had put Go Suns on the gate when I entered. And so that was 
pretty cool. That was about the extent of what I felt because I haven't been able to get out and about and been working. But for my neighbors to do that um, was really cool. And they, they, they kind of know that's the side I enter because it's right by my house. And uh, so when I was pulling in at two o'clock, I saw these you know, spelled out go suns and then another sun sign on the gate. I was like, that's pretty cool. So that 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 to me kind of lets me know that you know our city is is feeling it and it, there's a you know really cool feeling about our team, a buzz, whatever you want to call it. But that that was like my moment that you know we by the grace of God we've been able to create a a good feeling about our team in the city. It's Monty Williams, head coach of the Suns, telling a personal story about how he knows this team is uh, connecting with the city again. And we've been waiting for this. We've been waiting for a long time for this. Mm-hmm. And going back to 2010, the last time the Suns were in the playoffs, they did advance all the way to the Western Conference Finals. They were two wins away from going to the finals in that series. Uh, obviously, there was there was a fever then as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember it being off the charts, certainly. But I am starting to feel this one, engaging it more uh, intensely in, in real time. There's something about this team. Maybe it's the fact that, uh, you know, what everybody's gone through for the past year plus. Maybe it's the 11-year absence. Uh, maybe it's the way that things are. I mean, you can easily project a way for the Suns to get all the way to the NBA Finals. It's all of those things. Uh, and it's starting to grow a little bit. But I think mm-hmm. there is an interesting uh, potential wrench in this whole thing, too, Bick. When you play the Lakers in the first round, you're, you're playing the defending champions. You're playing the biggest star in the, in the game, uh, the most globally recognized NBA player in LeBron James. Uh, the desire for him uh, for him to be eliminated by the Suns by the Suns fan base was intense. Mm-hmm. Is there a letdown coming from the Suns fans? It, it's weird because the stakes are bigger starting tonight. The opponent is a lot less recognizable to most Suns yeah. fans. What does that mean for the energy? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's going to be different. I think it's going to take a while for the city to develop some some rabidity, if you will, just because they don't... What, what do the garden-variety casual basketball fans in the Valley know about the Denver Nuggets? What's there to hate about the Denver Nuggets? Where do you focus your eggs? Who do you boo? Uh, you know, it's especially just, it's, with Jamal Murray not well, playing. Well, yeah, so it's, it's, <laughs> they don't even have a Morris brother. Yeah, right. It's exactly they have a, they have a Morris, but he's of no relation. Oh. That's right. <laughs> so, I, to me, I think that's going to have to maybe develop with time. The, just the importance, the important thing in all of this is, I think that's a fact. I think there's going to be an emotional letdown and a difference. Uh, among the fan base, at least early in the series, until maybe you get later in the series, and now now it's generated some heat, and we've been able to target some villains and maybe figure out who to boo and that kind of stuff, and you know maybe there'll be a dirty play here or a this or a that, and we can really kind of yeah. see see the opponent with some clarity. I just think right now there's none of that when it comes to the Nuggets. Well, I mean, hopefully we're totally wrong on this. Hopefully, you know, we're, we're talking about the casual sun fans that might not necessarily be in the building uh, for games one and two. Yeah. Maybe the ones that are that in tune with, with this team uh, are going to be that heated going in because mm-hmm. the stakes are bigger. Anytime, and I agree with your point too, as the series wears on, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. It gets more intense. Yeah. Anytime you play a team four times in a row, up to seven times in a row, mm-hmm. you tend to hate that team by the end yeah. of the series. 
experience tells me um, series like these are best won and easily and easiestly won. Nice word. Uh, but with, by the home team, by the Suns, winning both these first two games. Then if you steal one in Denver, this series will come and go as if it were just a speed bump. That's the best-case scenario here. Mm-hmm. The the difference with the Nuggets here, the, the, the tricky thing with the Nuggets is they're a team that comes into this series with an arc. They've been on playoff journeys each of the last two years. Mm-hmm. Last year in the bubble, they got all the way to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, so this, so they've got a lot of experience on them, and they've got the underdog tag to go along with it. And so, if a young Suns team were to be distracted by feeling they've got an edge or that they've um, already accomplished something significant, then this is a Denver team that might bite them. So they've got to really be on guard with that. So. I do think that where we are at emotionally with this series, I don't think it can be helped, but I do think the Suns can make it irrelevant and give us that kind of energy just by coming out right on. Yeah. Um, the the Nuggets are unique in the fact that yeah, they are coming off a long playoff run. They got all the way to the Western Conference Finals, and they have to feel coming into this series, too, okay, the Lakers, the team that knocked us out in the finals uh, of the Conference Finals, they're out. Mm-hmm. This should be ours for the taking. Now it is a different Nuggets team, but they bonded so much last year in the playoffs. Yes, it was the bubble, but they came back from two 3-1 deficits in the first two rounds to advance to the Western Conference Finals. Then they had some changes. You know, Torrey Craig was one of the players that moved on. Jeremy Grant moved on. Plumlee moved on. So they, they had some different, uh, different personnel at the beginning. I think it mm-hmm. took them a while to, to find their footing. Uh, but that experience, you know, we can't talk about the Suns' inexperience as a as key a factor because they just did knock off the defending champions. But that core of the Nuggets team has been together for two, as you said, expansive playoff runs in the last two years. That's that's a big edge on them, unless you buy into the um, long run in last year's playoffs, short off season. The Nuggets are the only team standing from the Final Four yeah, last year, yeah, too. Yeah, so I, so I think they're dangerous. I really do. And, and I think the fact that the Suns beat the Lakers and what we thought that team to be, I think in the rearview mirror, it's, it's even getting more impressive than maybe it actually was. And by that, I mean that Lakers team just rotationally, they were not set. Their bench players were awful. They couldn't shoot the ball with the exception of one game. Uh, and they just didn't really have a strategy to win once Anthony Davis went down. Mm-hmm. I just Denver. Denver's a real team. They're a real team that has already learned to win without Jamal Murray. Yeah, they're seventeen and seven, mm-hmm. including the playoffs since he went down. With they, they never even April. had like a transition period. It feels no, like no, no, no. They've uh, they've been very very resilient. So this is I, I think if the, and this is going to be the beauty of Chris Paul because I think he's the one guy who recognized true and I'm sure Jay Crowder does as well but really recognizes the danger of losing your edge at the very start of this series. Uh-huh. That, it's, I've seen it happen before. You have. We all have. Yep. And they just need to uh, they take care of business tonight and then keep that same intensity in game two. I think they got a real good shot at getting through this. Uh, Devin Booker uh, spoke over the weekend as well in preparation for this series and go back to that fan support. Uh, topic that we just brought up. He, he spoke on how he's seen the fan base grow during this run. I mean, it's cool to see it grow. Um, you know, but I think this, this fan base organization has, you know, some some deep-rooted fans that, you know, this has been in them for a very long time. And, you know, a lot of people have memories as, 
young kids growing up in Phoenix and going to the games and, you know, seeing the crowd and feeling that energy. So, you know, we might have some new fans, you know, the bandwagon fans that enjoy the good basketball, but, you know, this city is full and rich of some deep-rooted Phoenix Suns fans. I think it's a great point. I call them dormant fans, fans that, you know, when they're good, when they're engaged uh, because of the quality of the team, they'll get back into it. And I think you're seeing the awakening of a lot of those dormant fans. I've got a couple in my family, actually. Yeah? Yeah, no, listen. <laughs> I got a buddy who texted me about the Suns. He used to watch every single game in the early 90s, and he kind of got tuned out of basketball, and, and he's starting to pay attention again. So I have, it's happening. I have friends who are hardcore sports fans that were texting me during the playoff run, like, oh, this is the first Suns game I've watched in a while. The, uh, the reason why this is very, very important to where this organization is going is there was a time during that 10-year absence where we, it was fair to wonder whether or not we were going to be burdened with a bad owner and our NBA team for the rest of our lives. Because that that's what happens sometimes in cities. You, you become imprisoned by terrible ownership. And if, if that owner doesn't pass or sell or change then there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. And it, there was times during that 10-year drought where it was fair to wonder, is this guy ever going to get it? Is this guy ever going to stop hiring inexperienced people at the top of his organization? And yet he finally did it. And so I think that the people who had along the way confronted that and said, you know what, this is never going to happen. I'm not pouring any more of my emotion into a lost cause like that. Those are the people who are getting lured back now. Yeah, yeah, they figured they're, it they're, out. There's a young generation of fans who, who probably started to grow maybe during the bubble last year, maybe before, maybe with book. And, and this has just been a nice ride for them, a steady ascent for them. Obviously, there's nothing steady about this season, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the People who really don't have, you heard Jerry Colangelo talk about that last week. He was at the arena and he felt he didn't see any of his old familiar faces, yeah. new energy, new fan base. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have a full Suns coverage today. A roundtable in the 11 o'clock hour. Luke Lipinski and Jude LaCava joining us for some roundtable playoff talk. We're giving away tickets all day long. Suns Nuggets, we're getting you ready like nobody else. But coming up next, D-backs reaching new levels of desperation. Is it leading to a change in the dugout? We'll get into it next. Bickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Shazam! 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The hottest ticket in town game day giveaway. Yep, here we go. First time for today. Going to take caller number 8. That's 602-260-9870. If you are caller number 8, you will win a pair of tickets to tonight's sold-out Phoenix Suns playoff game. Listen all day for your chance to score the hottest tickets in town. Phoenix Suns playoff tickets. Again, looking for caller number 8 right now. 602-260-9870. Good luck. First one, Arvaez is ripped to center. That's a base hit. David Smith trying to cut it off. Runner around third. He doesn't cut it off. The run will score. Narvaez is going to try for third. And he is going to make it in safely. The ball gets away from Escobar. Goes into the dugout. And now Narvaez will score. Oh, the old Little League home run Friday night in Milwaukee for the Brewers. They oh. swept the Diamondbacks. Uh, it, fake home run. it was an embarrassing play uh-huh. that led to... A dressing down in the dugout from Tori Lovello to his team in front of cameras, which is very much not Tori Lovello's way of handling things. No. 
But just listen to this exchange in the post game from from Friday night, and you'll see where the D backs are as an organization. Tori, is is that as frustrated as as you've ever been in a in a game as a manager? Probably, yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Um. Here's what here's what I think. Um. Is the question to come out of that? Okay. What, what the the event itself? The need for Tori Lavello to dress down his baseball team? Why then and there? We know for a fact Tori Lavello hates when his team can't pick up the baseball. The little league home runs drive every manager nuts. They are Tori Lavello takes him personally. We've heard him. We've seen him. Uh-huh. Um. I don't know what happened to Eduardo Escobar. He has just been a butcher in the field this year. Um, great but, at the plate. He's among the major league leaders in RBIs, yeah. but you're, the defense has just gone south for him right. and for others. But I'm not. But I'm not going to get sidetracked on that. So, so Tori Lovello does this, and you ask yourself: Was this something that he had to do? Was it something yeah. that because he knows his time is coming to an end, so he wants to show that he wasn't this soft kind of manager who let this happen? Derek Hall has already made it very clear: None of this has anything to do with Tori Lovello. This is a talent challenged baseball team that put no resources into their roster this year. And then got hit by an enormous wave of injury. Right. It's not an excuse. It's the reality it's of it. It's the reality of it. But a lot of times in situations like this, if a fr- if an organization knows that they're going to turn the page and go another direction, they'll, they'll, they'll fire the manager at a time like now to spare him the indignity of this team that simply can't win. And so that's that when people predict or ask if Tori Lovello might get fired, I, I think there's a chance it might happen, but I don't think it's for the reasons you might think. It's not because the organization thinks you could come in and bring in a fire and brimstone kind of manager and get different results. I, I, I don't think anybody's that stupid. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's much, unless players get healthy and, and come around, the ones that are healthy mm-hmm. that are underachieving at this point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they don't have any starting pitching left, certainly. Uh, Tori Lovello also elaborated what, what happened in the dugout between he and the players. You know, I don't typically like to do things, and I know what you're talking about, um, do things like I did. Um, but, you know, I had enough, and, and that's basically what I told the group. And, um, you know, a lot of it will stay between me and the players, but um, – what I told them was that I have extremely high expectations of this group and we are a good baseball team and it's time to go out and play our type of baseball. And at the end of the night, I can, I can, I can sit down and accept a win or a loss. if We do things our way and we are not meeting our standards. Um, and I got the whole group together. I didn't care. It was that time I needed to address that situation. Um, and let him know that that I feel like we, we can do better. Yep, and it, it, he also explained this is not something that was premeditated. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't plan any of that. that players see right through that. If it's if it's made up or planned or or or, or prefabbed, they're gonna they're gonna see right through it. I I just it bubbled over when the ball rolled in the dugout. And we failed the back of the base, and I just said that's enough. Yeah, um, unfortunately, it had absolutely no effect. That was in the third inning of Friday mm-hmm. night's game. They responded by taking a no-hitter into the eighth inning. It was broken up by Nick Ahmed. Uh, they lose that game. They lose Saturday. They get completely shut down. Corbin Burns, one of the best pitchers in baseball. He struck out 13 yesterday. Um, it, 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 it's one of those rare... So, so not only is it you know not a whole lot of winning overall, but 17 in a row which is nearing historic levels mm-hmm. on the road. Uh, and you just don't feel like there's any chance 
Like they've very rarely had leads during this stretch, mm-hmm. Big. Mm-hmm. They uh and and there's this overwhelming feeling that that the Diamondbacks should be very grateful the fact that the Phoenix Suns are playing and taking everyone's attention away. That might be true from a surface viewpoint, but there's real issues here. This sport, uh, I, I, we were talking about this before the show, this sport is in the middle of another scandal, yeah. and nobody gives a damn. And that scandal is a substance abuse scandal that pitchers are using uh, to goop up a baseball, jack up their spin rates, and make it impossible to hit. Literal substance abuse. Yeah, literal That's substance abuse. Literal substance <laughs> abuse. And it, and the fact of the matter is is that the other day, the the... Uh, the Cardinals manager said it's baseball's dirty secret. Mike Schilt, yeah. Mike Schilt, baseball's dirty secret. So now here we go, and nobody cares. And here we are in the middle of summer. The NBA playoffs are raging. They're going to end at the end of July and segue right into the National Football League. And it means now, at least in this year and maybe in years going forward, that Major League Baseball doesn't even have a month in the sporting calendar in which it sits at the forefront of the of the American brain. And that's a big change. And then then you look at the sport and this huge labor impasse that is coming and all these changes that Major League Baseball is tinkering with. Good luck, baseball. Have fun with this. See you in a few years. <laughs> it's just another issue for the well, sport I, that's been just hit with a barrage of issues over the last 10 years. Can they ever stop years. cheating in baseball? <laughs> the sport is filthy. <laughs> It might as well be played on 10 speeds, for goodness sakes. <sighs> See what I did there? I did. Win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. It's, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. We've seen rashes of injuries, going back to the D-backs, um, rashes of injuries hit other teams too, Bic. Mm-hmm. Uh Other teams have responded better than the Diamondbacks have to injuries. I mean, the Dodgers, there was a series where Arizona played in Los Angeles, and the Dodgers were more racked up. Now they have a lot more talent to work with, but you know they're still in the thick of things. They haven't been derailed. The Cubs have been just blistered by injuries this year. They're still near the top of their division. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. This was a talent-deficient team that couldn't have any wiggle room when it came to injuries, and it got hit by this incredible injury bug, and they're ill-equipped to deal with it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So so they might want to just kind of do a little mercy killing metaphorically speaking with the manager if you are if you are not re-signing Tory Lavello for whatever building project is ahead this would not be a bad time to do it because it just saves him this embarrassment of of shepherding a team that can't win. But what's going to what's going to change? I, well again, well then then, then you're going to start to deal your best sign, players. Then, then sign him to an extension. Which, when they're playing this poorly, how do you? How do you? You, know, you it, can't. You're that's in. A, you've basically painted yourself into a no-win situation right. if you're the Diamondbacks. Right. That's exactly right. It's not his right. fault, but we had to let him go, or <laughs> we're going to extend him because we didn't give him the tools he needed to work uh-huh. with, and try to sell that to the fan base. Mm-hmm. Look, this baseball team was not good in sixty games last year. They were the ones who decided the sample size was not enough to judge them. Well, they played 61 this year. <laughs> they're just they're they're even worse. five and a half games below that pace that they set last year. <laughs> they're two games behind the yeah. Orioles for uh-huh. the worst record in baseball. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Well done. You never want to be in striking distance of the Orioles of anything. No. Again, they've suffered a lot of injuries, but yes. even even at full strength, was this baseball team was not really built to win anything. I agree with you. Uh, Kent Briggs was our first caller, number eight. So Kent's got two tickets to tonight's game one 
Suns Nuggets were giving away a pair of tickets every hour, so stay tuned all day here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. More Suns Nuggets breakdown in the form of a roundtable. Luke Lipinski, Jude LaCava join Bickley and Murata next.